Thank you all. Y'all can have a seat. Uh, You can uh, uh, take your Bibles uh, and turn to Ecclesiastes. Uh, It's a big word. uh, And some of you are maybe like, man, we never never looked in Ecclesiastes before. Uh, We don't Old Testament uh, Solomon. We're going to get into it. If you do not have a Bible, uh, we like to say this, there are, there should be a lot of uh, black Bibles in the back on a back table. That is our uh, gift to you. You're welcome to uh, take one home. If you do not have, uh, we'd love for you to have a Bible. Now, before we get into Ecclesiastes, and we'll be in chapter 1, uh, that is where we will camp out. Uh, a couple of things I'd like to say. All of us, I mean, me included, say all of us, uh, we are spending our lives in pursuit. If you didn't know this or realize this, uh, we're, we're all pursuing something. We are all, everybody, we're in pursuit. And it's interesting if you just look at that word, pursuit, if you break that down, English major that I am, the etymology of the words, pursuit. What's that last, uh, what's that last syllable? Isn't it a syllable? Suit, is that it? Miss Barbie, your teacher. Suit, yeah. So you think of a suit, think of a suit, and it's what you wear. You know, it's like suit up uh, of armor or a nice suit. Uh, I like nice suits. I don't have many of them. I like this one. Um, but a suit is, you know, you suit up to how you want to be known, how you want to appear. So, so our pursuits are these ways of how we want to be seen uh, and known, what people think about us, and all of us are working and striving and moving towards this pursuit of something. And, you know, I really believe there are, there are three big pursuits uh, that everybody has. You could either be one of these three or you could be all of these three combined. But there are three big ones that are, as I trip over myself, that are not as much of the Lord, okay? Three big pursuits. One, and you can, you can call these different things, but I'm going to use three, three F words, okay? No, that sounds bad, but anyway, <laughs> I know, it just, there are three words that start with F, okay? Anyway, first one's fun, fun. Uh, a lot of us, I've done this. I mean, we pursue fun. Like, what's going to be fun for my life? Uh, often, you know, we can think about this as, uh, as the partier. You know, this is fun, so I'm going to be the life of the party. You know, I'm going to be the fun guy or the fun girl. You know, uh, it's fun to get wasted all the time. Uh, it's fun to... You know, do adventures all the time and do crazy stuff. You know, or be weird. You know, I'm just a fun person. And, you know, you don't have to be like 14 or you don't have to be 18 or, you know. I mean, there are a lot of 35-year-olds. There are a lot of 40-year-olds. You know, I'm pursuing fun for my life. And I'm making a living so, you know, I can have fun on the time when I don't work or whatever. And you just want to be known as that fun guy. You know, be known as cool, you know, and some people can really get away with it. But this is a big pursuit for many folks. Fun, cool, you know, all that. Uh, another one 
Now, the F word would be fortune. Fortune. And immediately, I think of money, but if you broke down that word, you know, fortune ties to fortunate, so that you, like, live this good life. You are fortunate. But we pursue fortune because we think, well, if I have uh, my fortune, however much that may be, I will have this fortunate life, and it will also probably be more fun than, than if I'm not fortunate at all. So a lot of us pursue fortune in wealth, in career, in opportunities, because we just believe, well, it will lead to this fortunate life. It'll lead to a fun life. It'll lead, hey, you say, hey, I'm actually not about having fun. I'm actually not about a fortunate life. I just want to provide for my kids and their kids, you know, and, and all that good stuff. But we pursue that. Many of us have done that too. Uh, the last F word that I'll use right now is, uh, and this one will be like most, this, this one is one you're like, I might debate you on that, um, John Hughes, it's fine, we can, we can have that. Or I might disagree with you here. Family. Family. Which is interesting, again, and I love etymologies of words, okay? But what is family tied to? F-A-M-E. Fame. Okay? As in like being known. And often we want our our family known. Uh, Maybe it's, uh, you know, good social clubs, good supper clubs, good circle of friends. You know, good Rolodex, if you still got a Rolodex, or, you know, contact list on the phone. You know, well, my, fam- my family is so important uh, that it becomes this idol. And then they're like all kind of tied together in this smorgasbord. You know, family, fortune, fun. You know, we got this, we got the picture perfect family, and we are fortunate, and we have fun. And, you know, it's just, it's just all good, you know? And we could probably shout some amens on that, even more so then we could shout an amen based on, like, I'm a sinner and I need saving and Jesus saves me, you know? The fame, fortune, and fun sometimes sounds a lot more amen worthy. And often we'll tie a need for Jesus to fame, fortune, and fun. And that, maybe that's why we look to Jesus, for the fame, fortune, and fun. All of us are pursuing something. All of us are in pursuit. And it's tied to like a suit, how we want to appear, how we want to look. And those three, they'll always leave you hollow. Period. Now, you might be like, ah, I don't know about that. I mean, family, leave me, look, love my family, um, love my wife. Sorry, I get hot. I'm going to take off this, this jacket. Love my wife. You know, love my kids. Excuse me there. Lay it right here. Um, you know, you hurt my kids, man. I mean, I would uh, hurt my kids. You know, I'd probably take a resignation from this church that, uh, you know, I could, uh, you know, I mean, I love my kids, love my family. It's all good stuff. And I love for uh, believers to be, you know, just knocking it out of the park, killing it uh, in the world, 
in how God has called them and wired them. And I also believe in fun. But look, I do not believe in happiness. Here's what I mean by that. Happiness is so fragile, if we got it, we'll break it. I believe in joy. Supernatural joy that is fun in the good times and the bad times because we know we have something greater and deeper and more meaningful. Happiness we can't sustain. Again, it's so fragile. You get it, you're going to break it. I'll break it. I have broken it. Joy from Jesus. That's good stuff. That's the real deal. So anyway, those three things can leave us hollering. You're like, why do you say that? Well, let's look to Ecclesiastes. Okay? Ecclesiastes 1, and we're talking here, this is a guy who has it all. Okay? Uh, fame and family. Uh, his dad was a king. Not only was his dad the king, his dad was King David. David's name's mentioned more times in the Bible than any other person, even Jesus. His dad was David. He had a fortune, he had all this just untold, unsurpassable wealth. And he had fun too. He loved life, actually, unfortunately, both for David and Solomon, pretty severe lust issue uh, in their family and for David's other kids. We're not going to get into that today, but he had fun. Thousands of wives and concubines. I mean, he was living life, okay? Would throw the best parties, opulence. And here, Ecclesiastes is this book where he says, all of this stuff will leave you with a void. It's basically like what this book is about. Saying, I've searched for these things, I've searched for wisdom in our pursuit of these things, and they all leave me hollow. We're doing this series, about 12 weeks, we call it Worship and Wisdom. We spent six weeks in the Psalms, uh, ended last week, Psalm 23, we just went through six Psalms, we'll do more Psalms later on in the life of this church, but now we're moving to Ecclesiastes, where we'll spend the next six weeks Uh, Looking at wisdom. What is true wisdom? And for so many of us, me too, true wisdom is pursuing those things. You know, fun, you know, you only live once. You know, family, love my family, fortune. But we often make them idols. Idols. You don't know what the idol in your life is? Think about this. Think about what you say, well, if I had this, then I'm good. Job, career, person, child, sports team, win. Some of us could use that today. Anyway, um, if I had this, I'm good. That's your idol. I got a lot of them. So we're looking at Ecclesiastes, and we're seeing that there's only one true wisdom. There is true wisdom, and we should pursue it. Actually, we should pursue him. But let's look. Ecclesiastes 1. I'm going to go through uh, this entire chapter. Well, just about the entire chapter. Let's read together. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Again, Solomon, he had it all. Fame, family, fortune, fun, had it all. He says, verse 2, Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. Vanity. You may know of a magazine that starts with vanity. 
guilty. I used to read it, okay? Okay? A lot, you know, a lot of us can read that much more than this book. You're like, everybody's looking down right now. Anyway, okay? I'm tracking with you. Vanity Fair. It's all about, it's all about fame. It's all about fortunate ones or fortunate sons. You know? You look at that like, man, I wish I could be like her, look like her, be like him. That's cool. Vanity, vanity fair, fair vanities. He goes on, what does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Look at this verse, verse 5. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. Uh, I love that verse because that verse was the basis for a famous book written by a famous author. Anybody know what it was? The sun also rises. Ernest Hemingway, you know anything about his life? I mean, talk about a guy who pursued fun and fortune. And guess what? He used to be like my ultimate hero 20, 15 years ago. Like, for real. That was the life that I wanted. You know, writer, cool, like lived on the left bank of Paris. Um, You know, all of these, you know, being real. Before I met Lynn, all these girls, you know, you know, tough dude, like brawler, nobody could outdrink him. Okay? And he was uh, so famous and so fortunate, Pulitzer Prizes, uh, money. He was like a hero in World War II, like for real, uh, on D Day beaches. Uh, did all this stuff, uh, hunted in Africa, big game, and then got to little past middle life. Older, moved to Idaho, stuck a double-barrel shotgun in his mouth. Vanity of vanity. Had it all. Had it all. Sun also rises, sun also goes down. The wind blows to the south, verse 6. Goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind. On its circuits, the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full to the place where the streams flow. There they flow again. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. He's saying, man, what's the point of all this? It's beautiful, but like, what's the point? It's just weariness and toil. Anybody ever felt like that? What is the point? We may feel like that today. And there is nothing new under the sun. Nothing new. Is there a thing of which you said, see, this is new? It has been done already in ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after. He is saying, what is the point? He is lifting up this cry, someone who has all the fortune, all the opportunities for fun, coming from a line of kings, saying, what's the point? He goes on, I, the preacher, have been king over Israel and Jerusalem. I have applied my heart to seek and search out wisdom, all that is done under heaven. It is an happy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is, here's that word again, vanity and a striving after wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight. What is lacking cannot be counted. I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me. And my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. 
and I applied my heart to no wisdom and to no madness and folly. I perceive that this is also but a striving after wind. For in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. This, this chapter, chapter 1, it is like, man, I'm, I'm pursuing, and then I've got it, and then what's the point? And then he's saying, he closes, I'm pursuing good things, like wisdom. And yet, even in seeking wisdom and wise things, it's work, and it's effort, and it's toil. And then he says, what's crooked cannot be made straight. That is some of the wisdom of the day saying, hey, you know, you're just built like this. You can't be saved. Uh, You can't be redeemed. You can't be made uh, better. You can't be made whole. A lot of folks buy into this. It's like, you know, it is what it is. Life is short. Enjoy it while you can. That's it. That's it. So it kind of ends here, at least, chapter 1, with like, what is the point? And when you are facing uh, cancer uh, or bankruptcy or potential divorce uh, or just loneliness, or you're thinking right now, am I going to have lunch with anybody after church? Uh, Or you're thinking about, you know, why did I come here? You know, I'm, I'm searching, I'm pursuing, why? We can often end up like, what's the point? And then if I say it's not about fun or fortune or even family, then you're like, well, what is it? What should we pursue? Praise be to God, there is an answer, okay? We'll go through Ecclesiastes, but it shows us the folly of the wisdom of the world in searching after these things. That is the point. That is why it's in the Bible But the Bible is much bigger than Ecclesiastes, and the Bible gives hope. The Bible shows us a true wisdom. The Bible shows us something that will fill us and sustain us and keep us, not with a false sense of happiness, but with very, very real joy. And that's the joy that I want for my life, for my marriage, for my family, for everyone who walks through these doors, whether they join, whether they do not join, but joy in Jesus Christ. So what is the wisdom? It's Jesus. Look up on the screen. I want to show you a verse. Love these two verses, actually. Colossians 2, verse 2 and 3. This is Paul talking to a church, a church like us, a church body, okay? And he says that their hearts, so like the hearts of this church, may be encouraged. These are people he's talking to who struggle. These are people who have Uh, hopes that have been lost, uh, who have dreams that have been shattered, who are facing trials and illness. He says that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit, I love knit together in love, to reach all the riches, the word riches, fortune, a full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. There is a real wisdom. That is Jesus. And when we pursue Him, that's why I do what I do. We will be made whole. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in other lives. When we pursue Him together as the church, we'll be used 
and will be changed both here and around the world. And we'll have joy. And you can debate me on this. I, I can promise you will have real joy in Jesus Christ. So we look for the wisdom that is Him. Now, if you're here and you might be an atheist, although you wouldn't claim to be an atheist, but let's just say, let's just say you read Vanity Fair a lot more than you read the Bible. Uh, you could debate me. It's like, okay, why should I pursue Jesus? I mean, like, really? Like, like practically? You know, why should I do that? I mean, that's great, you know. I got some fire insurance for heaven. You know, I got eternal life. But like, really, brother, preacher man, you know, if I'm going through a divorce or gone through a divorce or looking at a divorce or facing illness or, you know, struggling with how I'm going to pay, you know, the bills this month, you know, practically, brother man, you know, Monday cometh. Give me something. So there is a why about pursuing Jesus. There really is. There is a why, and it, it, is, it is very, very practical. It changes the way you look at the world and your life and our life. It really does, okay? Here's how. When you have Jesus, when you're growing in Jesus, when you're learning about Jesus, when you're loving Jesus, you begin to see the world differently. It's like, you know, and I love this, again, I'm going to say it, I said it a couple of weeks ago, it's like putting on a new set of glasses and seeing the world different. First off, you see that he created this world good. And there's a lot of good things in the world. And he created every human being good. So the people that you meet and you come across with, they like have very good gifts. Like, there's good things about them. Wherever they're from, whatever they do, whatever college town they hail from, I'm not going to say any, you know, name names. Seriously, they're, they're good There's goodness in everybody. And yet everybody is also very, very broken. We're created good, and we've all fallen. And if you believe that, and you look at the world and people like that, it changes your view of people. You're a little softer towards folks. You're a little kinder. He's a broken person. She's a broken person. You speak a kind word. Speak a soft word. And then you believe that, that everybody can be redeemed. Now, now, some of us know people like, I really don't want them redeemed, but that's not, that's not Jesus. Everybody can be redeemed. Paul, he killed Christians. Everybody can be redeemed because of Jesus. One moment, the thief on the cross. Salvation happens in a moment. Praise God. Everybody can be changed in a moment. Again, it's this new set of glass. Everybody's given gifts. Everybody's fallen. But everybody can be changed in a moment. And then, Jesus will grow us. He'll grow us. He'll heal us. He heals us first on the inside, where guess what? Those people that we can never forgive, Jesus empowers us to forgive. He reconciles us to God. Then He brings us together as one, to one another. Those people are like, man, I can't sit across the table from him or her. In Jesus, we can't. And you're like, how do, how do you look at the world like that? Guess what? That's the Bible. That's that book you never read. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. That's, that's the story right here. Why else you seek Jesus? 
you know what? Everybody wants to be made new. You know, you go to Barnes & Nobles or, you know, Lemuria or a bookstore, and there's probably a whole section with all these titles, The New Me or The New You. Amen? Maybe I'm off. Or some, some form of, Everybody wants to be new. You know, new start. New start. We look into Ecclesiastes. Remember what it said? There is nothing, what? New under the sun. This is a dude who is hopeless, who's like, I pursue, there's nothing new. Guess what Jesus says? Revelation 21.5. Look at this up on the screen. The words of Jesus, and he who is seated on the throne, Jesus, behold, I am making all things, what's that word? New. Also, he said, I love this, write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. And he doesn't say write what I'm going to say down. He said write that down. I am making all things new. Jesus is in the business of making people new. Jesus is in the business of making you new. Why is Jesus wisdom? Because he will make you new starting today. And he is making our world new starting with his resurrection. I mean, we have a God that says... uh, says, death, you lose. Death, you're done. We have a God in Revelation, if we're going through Revelation Wednesday nights, where all of the enemies of God meet up for the final battle, Armageddon, okay? And God just comes down and says, I am. Boom! I'll wake you up. It's over. That's all he does. All the enemies forever and ever come up to fight God. He's just coming. I am. Done. That's our God. That's the power, that's the sovereignty, that's the the majesty, that's the glory, that's our future. You can be made new in a moment, today. Where or where is our faith? So here, I'm going to close with this. I'm going to ask you to write some things down. I want us to be made new. I want this church to be made new. I mean, still, new home, and it's, it's great, and new season, but man... Month after month, year after year, made new in Jesus. And, and I really, this is something, I mean, God has put on my heart, that, that we can pursue together. Very practical. Four things. If you're a member here, I, I, I beg of you, okay? Very, I'll beg. No pride. I'll beg. Do these four things through the end of the year. If you're, like, coming here, we'd love for you to come back. But if you're, like, coming here and not a member, I'd love for you to join us as well. But I want us to pursue some things together of the true wisdom that is Jesus. Four things, real simple. Please write them down. Please. One, let's read our Bible daily. Real simple. You're like, where do I start? Start with John. Option one. Or option two, start with Luke, go through Acts. Option three, start with Psalms. Let's read, I believe, a a community, a church family, reading their Bible daily, together. That changes a people. That's number one. Number two, maybe a little tougher in this time of year. Let's come to church and worship together. Many of you do that are here. But the importance of worshiping together, praising God together, hearing God's word spoken together. He's just trying to get people to come to church. Yeah, I'm trying to get you to come to church. Yeah, yeah. Big shocker, news flash. Unapologetic. Kind of do what I do. You know, we joke about, you know, the things of the world. Come to church. Read your Bible. Come to church. Second thing, through the rest of the year, 
in Christmas Eve on a bang, you know, moving into this year, celebrating together. Three, go to one smaller group a week. Not three, just one. we got so many options. Men's group back here. Women's group Wednesday. Two groups tonight. Group, you know, if you know where to start, we're looking at Revelation Wednesday. We need to be part of a smaller group. we got a, a group, we don't call it Sunday school, but whatever, you know, that meets for church. We need to be part of a smaller unit. And then four, this is going to really kick you, or you might, this might be the only thing you talk about, you know, at lunch day, okay? I know how it goes, you know. Hey, give a little bit to raise more. You members know what I'm talking about, okay? Kingdom focused. We're supporting five church plants across the world. Four in India. One in United Arab Emirates. That's like Dubai, but Dubai is a city, a country, okay? That's reaching Muslims for Christ. Chris and I are going to Italy. I know you're like, can I go on that trip? No, but Chris and I are going there to start another church. Yes, start another church. So you can go there in 16. So this church is, is making this global impact. And let us not forget about the local things that Raise More can do as well. So moving to the end of the year, could you say, hey, I'll give um, $10 a week to Raise More. That's outside the budget. I'll give $100 a month to Raise More. Whatever it is. But it Because I've told you, I'll Raise More. If you write a check for 2 bucks. one is going to global missions church planning. And I also think, truth be told, I think giving's tied to your growth in Christ. Period. It is. So four simple things. You're like, man, asking a lot today, preacher. Jesus asks a great deal more. He asks for our lives. But yet, that's the only place wisdom is found, and that's the only place true joy is found. That's why I preach, why I proclaim unapologetically. So four things to grow together, to pursue together. I beg of you. Unapologetic, no pride. Read your Bible daily. Come to church, worship as a family. Be part of one group. Give a little bit more to the kingdom. And I promise you, you'll start, like, man, I'm kind of checking it. I'm kind of growing in this Jesus deal. Because it is practical. It is daily. It is not just Sunday. It is day by day, week by week. And we want to look to Vanity Fair I used to. Or whatever it is, entertainment, or that's cool, or that's fun, or that's hip, or that's good, that will give me life. No. This will. This will. You can start today. You can be made new today. I beg you again. Like, make a commitment. The rest of this year. In this year out, in Jesus. Make a commitment. I want to be made new starting today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we have wisdom that is secure, that is forever. I pray for us. I pray for, for this specific church, for those that I've called here, that you would give us true joy in Jesus because I know uh, many of us struggle. Many of us are pursuing the wrong things. So demolish those walls that block the true wisdom of Jesus from our hearts and our minds and our souls and our bodies that we would be intentional about looking to your word. Intentional about saying, 
I want to recommit to a family of Jesus. I want to be part of a smaller community. Help one-on-one disciple somebody. I want to give to your kingdom. That you then, you give us this fulfillment that we can't find in the world. I pray people would start today. I pray for people that they make a heart change, a life change, that salvation would be known today, October 18th, for a life. And they'd repent and confess and be made new immediately in Jesus. There are people who need to recommit here, dear Lord. Let them know they can do it in a moment, and it's forever. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.